Welcome to the Lion's Tribe. I am Pastor Jimmy Udukoya. I pray this episode blesses you and it reminds you to become the lion that God has called you to be. Be blessed. So we are starting a new series today. Uh, the wall, the praise, the glory. The wall, the praise, the glory. And our text will be Joshua 6. Now, what I'm going to attempt to do is I'm going to attempt to deal with the wall today. Amen? We're going to deal with the wall. And then let's see how far we go. And then maybe next week we'll deal with the praise. And then we will end with the glory. Amen? Joshua 6. Um, verse 1, I will read from verse 1 to the, I want to say the 16th verse. Amen. It says this, the amplified version, please. It says, now Jericho, a fortified city with high walls. Somebody say high walls. Was tightly closed because of the people's fear of the sons of Israel. No one went out or came in. The Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hands with its kings and its mighty warriors. Another version says, its kings and its strong men. Verse 3 says, now you shall march around the city, all the men of war circling the city once. You shall do this once each day for six days. Somebody say six days. Also, seven priests, look at that number again, seven priests shall carry seven trumpets made of ram horns ahead of the ark. Then on the seventh day, you shall march around the city how many times? We know that seven is a number of the Holy Spirit. And the priests shall blow the trumpets. When they make a long blast with ram's horns and when you hear the sound of the trumpet... All the people shall cry out with a great shout, a battle cry, and the wall of the city will fall down. Somebody say, will fall down. Don't you just love our God, the audacity of God? He says, you will shout. And when you shout, the walls of the city will fall down in its place. And the people shall go up, each man going straight ahead, Climbing over the rubble. Verse 6. So Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priest and said to them, Take up the ark of the covenant and have seven priests carry seven trumpets made of rams on ahead of the ark of the Lord. He said to the people, Go forward, march around the city, and let the armed men go ahead of the ark of the Lord. And it was so that when Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets made of ram's horns went on before the Lord and blew the trumpets. Then the ark of the covenant of the Lord went behind them. The armed men went in front of the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard came after the ark while the priests continued to blow the trumpets. Ten, but Joshua commanded the people, you shall not shout the battle cry, nor let your voice be heard, nor let a word come out of your mouth until the day that I tell you to shout. Then you shall shout. So Joshua had the ark of the Lord taken around the city on the first day, circling it once. And then they came back into the camp and spent the night in the camp. Twelve. Then Joshua got up early in the morning on the second day, 
the priests took the ark around and they blew the trumpets again. Um, 13, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets made of ram's horns ahead of the ark went continually blowing the trumpets and the armed men went ahead and the rear guard came after the ark of the Lord while the priests continued to blow the trumpets. On the second day, they marched around the city once and returned. They did this for six days. 15, then on the seventh day, they got up early at daybreak and marched around the city in the same way seven times. Only on that day, they marched around the city seven times. And the seventh time, when the priest had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Somebody release a shout real quick in this place. If you know that this is your month of abundant gifts, release a shout real quick. If you know God is already in your 2024 and has already leveled all the crooked places, release a shout real quick. Hey! The one who has the audacity to say when you shout, the walls will come down. <laughs> I like my God. Let's start at the beginning. Let's go back to Joshua, the first verse. Now, it says that Joshua was a fortified city with high walls. And when I looked at that, I was intrigued by that. It was high walls. What is the definition of a wall? A wall is a protective or restrictive barrier. When you think about it being protective, you think about building walls. Every home must have a, hall, a wall. Around cities, around towns back in the day, they would build walls to protect them, to protect the fort, the settlement. Every compound has a wall with a gate on it. Amen? I mean, there are those, I remember, <laughs> tell you about some places in Benin that have no walls, just gates, and they say, enter. <laughs> those walls are special conditions. Amen? But generally, we all have walls to serve as protection. But walls can also be restrictive when you think about walls are built around prisons, right? So you have walls to protect and you have walls to restrict. Now, the walls of Jericho, I did some research, was particularly, it was a, a, a beauty to behold. It was something that was, it was such a monument or it was such an engineering feat that it was recorded in history. About 8,000 BC, it is, it is rumored that or recorded that the walls were about 13 feet tall. Now, I'm just about six feet, so six, me standing on me, then plus another one feet. That's pretty high, wouldn't you say? It was 13 feet, 4 meters in height, and then it was backed up by a tower that was, watch tower, that was 28 feet tall. 13 feet, then a watch tower. So the people who were standing on the watch towers, 28 feet, and it, you know, the higher you are, you, you are the, the advantage you have of perspective, right? The higher you are, the further you can see. So when it comes to protection of Jericho, their watchmen could see quite far. Very intentional. And it was protected. It was done so they were protected. 
Now, I was looking at that, and, and Psalm 127, verse 1 came to my mind when he speaks about unless the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain. Unless the Lord guards a city, the watchmen lay awake in vain. So, on top, there are 13 feet wall and there are 28 foot tower. If the Lord is not watching, all of that is vanity. When we go to bed at night and we sleep under the protection, we are sleeping under the protection of the watchful eyes of the Lord. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro. His eyes are always upon us. And so our security, our confidence, our safety is not tied to the things built by hands of man. With their 13-foot wall and their 28-foot watchtower, it was still vanity. And so I began to look at that and I said, it's interesting that as you watch this story unfold, the same walls that were built for protection very quickly became the walls of imprisonment. Because the Bible says that they were securely shut in and tightly closed because of the fears of the sons of Israel. And I wrote again that it is interesting that we have to be careful when we build walls to keep people out. We don't realize that the same walls that sometimes we build to keep people out can become our walls of imprisonment. Ooh. Because going through life, we will have events, situations, circumstances. Things will occur in our lives that will force us to build walls. And I wrote some of these things down. Rejection. Hurt. Failure, disappointment, abuse. And I began to see that in the, all these different things that I've just listed, there is a common denominator. And the common denominator is fear. Somebody say fear. When you talk about rejection, it's the fear of being rejected. When you talk about being hurt, it's the fear of pain. When you think about failure, it's the fear of failing. Some people don't even dare to try because they don't want to fail. But if you never try, then you never succeed. But the fear of failure keeps us bound. What if I do this and I don't succeed? So we stay in that position. We don't try because of the fear of failure. For disappointment, it's the fear of being let down. Some people say it's better not to expect that talk because if you don't expect, then you cannot be disappointed. Can I get a witness? And then when we talk about abuse, it's the fear of people. Because sometimes when we have experienced abuse at the hands of people who we have trusted the most, what happens is now we become suspecting of everybody. Because if those who were in positions of authority or positions of our lives to take care of us abuse us, whether it's emotionally or physically, automatically what happens is we become suspicious. And then we begin to build walls. Somebody say walls. So I wrote down, fear will make you build walls. But not only that, fear will make your walls become your prisons. 
You see it here again in Joshua 6.1. It says that the, the fortified city with high walls was tightly closed because of what? The people's fear. The people's fear. No one went in and no one came out. I said fear will keep you behind walls. Fear will paralyze you. I wrote this down. Sometimes even fear is inherited. Sometimes the fear that we have, it's inherited. Let's go to Numbers 13, 28 to 33. I'm going to show you something. Numbers 13, 28 to 33. It says this. But the people, now this is when Moses has sent the spies into the land to spy out Canaan, right? Spy out this new land that they were walking into. He says, but the people who were living in the land, this is their report, are strong and the cities are fortified, walled and very large. Moreover, we saw that they are the descendants of Anak, people of great stature and courage. These people descend from Amak. Am, um, Amalek live in the land of the Negev, south country. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, they live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live by the Dead Sea along the sides of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession of it, for we will certainly conquer it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people of Canaan, for they are too strong for us. So they gave the Israelites a bad report about the land which they had spied out, saying, the land which we went in spying it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. Then we saw the Nephilims, the sons of Anak, are part of the Nephilim, and we are like grasshoppers in our own sight. In our own sight, fear will make you see yourself less than you are. We are grasshoppers, in our, not in their sight, in our own sight. And so we are in their sight. How do you know what is in their sight? Now look at, continue to verse, to Numbers uh, 14, continue on. Look at what happened. Then all the congregation of Israel raised their voices and cried out, and the people wept that night. So a group of 12 went. Ten had a report. Gave their impression to the children of Israel. The children of Israel inherited that fear. And because they inherited the fear, what happened? They began to cry out, and they wept all night. Based on the reports of ten men. All the Israelites murmured in discontent against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, Oh, that we had died in the land of Egypt, or we had died in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land of Canaan to fall by the sword? Our wives and our children will become plunder. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt, to return to slavery? To return to shame, to return to bondage, to return to the familiar. So they said to one another, let us appoint a new leader and go back. And this is what you see when fear is inherited. But what does 2 Timothy 1.7 say? For God has not 
put that on. 2 Timothy 1.7. Amplified version. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity or cowardice or fear, but he has given us a spirit of what? Of power and of love and of sound judgment and personal discipline, abilities that result in a calm, well-balanced mind and self-control. If you are not calm, if your mind is not well-balanced, you are not operating in power. You are operating in fear. But God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. For anybody dealing with fear today, I'm speaking directly to you. Isaiah 41.10, put that on the board, amplified version. It says this, Isaiah um, 41.10, do not fear anything. Somebody say anything. Do not fear anything, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Be assured, I will help you. Somebody say, God, help me today. For somebody here, you will be known as the one that God has helped. He says, I will strengthen you. Be assured, I will help you. I will, somebody say, certainly not maybe, not if it's convenient for me, not based on the circumstances or how busy my schedule is, not if I am awake, not if I am aware, because he's in everything, in everyone, with ev- in every, at everywhere, at the same time, his omnipresence, he sees, he hears, he knows. He says, I will certainly take hold of you. He will take hold of you. He will take hold of you with his righteous right hand. And this hand is a hand of justice. It is a hand of... It is a hand of victory and it's a hand of salvation. That's a good hand to be held by. Certainly, I will take hold of you. You know, humble remember the time when we were kids and we were afraid in a sense particular and you'd hear your father and mother say, give me your hand. And even though we're afraid, as soon as we put our hands in the hand of our father or our mother, in spite of the fear, we begin to move. And for us that we're afraid, we'll be hiding behind. But guess what? We are moving because the confidence is now in the one who is holding He says, do not be afraid. Do not fear anything. I am with you. Put Psalm 27, 1 up. I want to speak to somebody today. Psalm 27, verse 1 says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Anywhere that there is darkness in your life, the Lord is your light. Anywhere that is dark in your, in your life, the Lord is your light. He is your light and your salvation. And because he is your light, you cannot turn off this light. 
if you want to kill the light, you must find the source. But if you can't find the source, you can't turn off the light. And he says, the Lord is my light and he are my salvation. Because he is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? <laughs> because he is my light and salvation, he is my refuge and the fortress of my life. Whom shall I dread? If they like, let them walk on their heads. If they come one way, they will flee seven ways. The one who holds me by his righteous hand is my fortress. He's my light and my salvation. You cannot do me anything. If you like, break uh, all the calabashes, write names, cut cows and chickens, and do your dance. But because he is the fortress of my life, this wall is impenetrable. Who shall I fear? I get back in. Because I get back in, I never walk alone. Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So whatever they want to do, whether they like it or not, out of our bellies shall flow rivers of living water. Psalm 118 verse 6 says this, the Lord is on my side. In this life, it matters who is on your side. Everything else is consequential. Who is on your side? The Lord is on my side. Because he is on my side, I will not Somebody needs to be reminded that God is on your side. God is not only on your side, he's constantly on your matter. You are the apple of his eye. You dare not. Who can touch you? Look at what he says. He says, because the Lord is on my side, I will not fear. What can mere man do? Man. <laughs> man. Who you be? Do you know who my father is? Do you know whose child I am? Because the Lord is on your side, they can't do you nothing. Because he prepares a table before you in the presence. Come on, somebody. Look at your neighbor say, I will not fear. I cannot fear. Because the Lord is on my side. I began to look at it and I realized very quickly how fear can make walls become prisons. And I began to dig a bit further and I said, but you know what? You must understand that every wall must have a point of entry and a point of exit, right? So whether it's a wall, it must have a gate, and we'll call it a door for the purpose of, 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 of this context. And when you, talk up, when you think about a door, you're talking about a means of access. A way to come in, a way to step out. And I was thinking about the door, John 10, 7, floated back into my mind when Jesus says, I am the door. I am the door. 
And when you think about him being the door, it makes sense in John 20 when the Bible says that he walked through the walls. He says that the disciples were gathered and then he appeared in the midst of them. Uh, So it makes sense when you are the door. You don't need a door to enter a place. Are you with me? There is no wall that he cannot enter because he is the door. Jesus says, I am the door. And I was looking at that. And then it makes further sense. When you are the door, then you control all doors because you are the ultimate door. (laughs) Revelations 3, 7 says this. And to the angel, divine messenger of the church of Philadelphia, writes, these are the words of the Holy One, the true one, the one who has the key to the house of David. He who opens and no one, nothing created, nothing created, everything, anything that has breath, whether spirit or, light or, or, or physical or human or spirit, as long as they were created, no one will be able to shut. And when he shuts, no one opens. So, so, so that means when it comes to doors, they are open doors and they are shut doors. Right? But isn't it interesting that we're quick to associate open doors with positivity and shut doors with negativity? Right? A lot of times when we say open door, we say it's positive. When we say closed door, we say it's negative. But Revelation 3 says, the one who opens and no one can, and the one who shuts. So he can either open and he can either shut. And because God is good, everything he does is good. So if he opens a door, it's good. If he shuts a door, ah, somebody. Are you with me? So I, I thought to myself, okay, so let's, let me find an example of, of, of a door that was opened as a bad thing. Matthew 12, it's a bad thing when this door is open. Matthew 12, 43 to 45, look at what it says. Jesus says, now, when unclean spirits have gone out of a man, it roams through waterless, dry, arid places in search of rest. But if it does not find, then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it arrives, that means the door must be open. Yes? When it arrives, it finds the place unoccupied, swept and put in order. Then it goes (laughs) and it brings with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself and they go in because the door is open and they make their home there. I thought about an example of when God shut a door and it was a good thing. Look at Genesis 7 verse 16. God has been speaking to Noah to build an ark because he was going to send a flood on the earth. And he built the ark. And look at what happens in 7 verse 16. Those which entered, male and female of all flesh creatures, entered as God had commanded Noah and the Lord closed the door behind. How many people have that kind of door? Please close it. Because if that door, closing that door was salvation. Uh Uh-oh. 
And I began to look. I said, look at Joshua 6.1. It says that Jericho, a fortified city with high walls, was tightly closed because of the people's fear of the sons of Israel. No one went out or came in. And then I wrote down, sometimes victory can look like a closed door. You see, the doors were closed and the doors were tightly shut because they had heard about what God had done. And so they had retreated from fear and closed the door. So before they had even fought the battle, they had already lost. Sometimes victory can look like a closed door. I remember a story that my mother told a long time ago. It was about a woman who got left at the altar on her wedding day. That is the ultimate nightmare. Can you imagine? Fell in love. She was dating a military. He was in the military. This was in Nigeria. Dating a man in the military. She was excited. She showed up to the church, all looking pretty in her dress. Everyone knew that she was getting married. And she shows up, and the man does, decides not to show. And there she is in her wedding dress. And she had waited on the Lord for a long time for her husband. And finally, the Lord had done it. And everybody was there in attendance. And she was getting married to a man in uniform. But the man decided last minute that he's not doing And there she was, heartbroken, crying. And she could not understand why God would allow this happen to her. But God, I prayed, if you knew he would do this to me, why did you allow me? Why did you embarrass me in front of my family? It's one thing when you fail privately, another thing when you fail publicly. How, why would you expose me like this? And her heart was broken and she prayed, tears running down her face, makeup dripping on her white dress, collapsed on the floor, they put her in the car, they carried her away and she was unconsolable. Fast forward to many years later, she meets another man who was in the military as well. It's like she had a thing for men in uniform. <laughs> it's like you didn't learn your lesson the first time, have you? But no. But this time it was good. And she shows up, and, it, you know, trauma. Right before she opens the door, it's a bit of fear like, huh, let me not get down. Has he come? I've been here before. I know so somebody here listening, you've been hurt, but I dare you to try again. I know, I know, I know it didn't work out the last time, but I dare you to believe again. And she's in there. Has he come? Has he arrived? And then her heart begins to settle when she sees his car drive in. But this man was a man of rank. So as any man... I think he was a, a, a major or, or almost a general, I'm not sure. But he had what we call, um, what are they called, ADCs? Yes? That are his boys that are assigned to him. And so his car pulls up. And then you see his boys run to go out, open the door for him. But because she is marrying the general, there's one assigned to her car as well. So one of his boys runs as the door opens. Look who she sees. 
the one that jilted her. Opens the door. Picks up her veil. And in that moment, she began to think to herself, Hey, God, I was crying over a corporal and you had for me a general. Somebody better give God praise for the doors that he has shut. Because everything that he does is good. If he closed the door on that opportunity, it's good. That means he has better in store for you. We are crying over what we do not understand. Say, God, God say, oh, you want to marry a corporal. I have for you a general. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Sometimes when those closed doors happen, it is God. Sometimes closed doors are victories in disguise. Understand that Joseph was a favored man in his father's house. He was a favored man. He was his father's favorite son. With the coats of many colors to show. It's one thing to be favored. It's nothing for everybody to know. I mean, that's just, I mean, Joseph's father didn't even try. Even he just was causing problem. When parents have favor, let me tell you. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Let me, don't lie. I think all parents have favorite children. But they can't say. Because they're not allowed to say. You might think it, but you can never say it. I'll tell you for a fact, Tolu doesn't know I was the favored one, but she doesn't know. For the sake of peace, you know, because she came out first. You know, as far as, you know, yes, you were the first to open the womb, yes. uh, But we all know. Anyways, Joseph's father was causing problem. Not only did you have a favorite, you let all the others know. This one is my favorite. Everybody has normal coats. Gave him of many colors. Not even one color. So just as we walk in, I'm daddy's favorite. If I may, I'll have stoned the boy. Come on, look at But understand this, he was favored. And then, as he went going on errand, they threw him inside, prison, uh, inside pits, sold him as a slave. And I think to myself, I wonder what those steps were like as he's walking behind the cart, being pulled by strangers, barefoot, and he's asking himself, how did I get here? How is this my reality? One minute, I am the favored one. The next minute, I'm being pulled by strangers to a land that I do not know where I'm going. Being pulled like cattle, being sold as a slave. Sometimes life will throw you curves and you ask yourself, how did I get here? This was not the plan. How can this be my reality? And Joseph is being pulled and he finds himself in a foreign land. Probably couldn't even speak the language. 
clothes stripped, naked, standing, sold like meat and a commodity. People are pricing him. I'm up I'm I'm for this one. Me, favored son of my father. Being sold like cattle. Being auctioned like an object because that's what he was. Because Egyptians saw Jews as less than. They were not even human beings. They were less than. So there he was, the favored son of his father. And you can imagine thinking, but in my father's house. Come on, shut up. Who's your father? How much was this one? 20. Let me, let me pay 10. Five. Yeah, come, come. And then they lead him. Because a lot of times we read these things and we don't think about the actual reality of what it must have been like. Come on, you come, 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 come to my house. You, oh yeah. This small room here is your own. This is your job. The favored son. And he's thinking to himself, how did I get here? But the Bible says, it says, but God was with Joseph. Every door that was being closed, but God was with him. You might find yourself in crazy situations. He says, I will take you by my right hand. I will never leave you or forsake you. It may not seem like it, but even in that crazy situation, but God is with you. And there he was. And after many, 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 many years, he rises to the top. We know the story. And then... Fear Potiphar's wife. Oh. Fear. Pray that the woman will not mean you. The man was minding his business. Potiphar's uh, wife came after him. We know the story. Prison. Prison. Again, it seemed like doors were being shot. At least I've, raised, I've, I've risen, sorry, to the top of, at least I'm now the top of the slaves. I'm now in charge. At least if Somehow I'm favored again. I might not be the son, but I'm a favored slave. At least things are going for me now. At least I've worked hard. At least he trusts me. And next thing you know, prison. For the thing that you did not do, and how many people know it's the worst feeling to be accused of something that you did not do? And there he is. But Joseph was not bitter. How? There he is. He says, in the prison. He said, okay, I might be in the prison. But again, he rose to the top of the prison. It doesn't matter where you are. It matters who you are. Because God was with him. And then we know the story. Okay. Butler, Baker. Hey, okay, see, guys, please remember me. Remember me. Remember me. And I said, of course, when we get out of here, the one that was saved, I promise you, you saved my life. I'll remember you. Don't put your trust in the words of man because the best of man is man. Proverbs says, if you build your hopes on dreams on men, when they die, your hopes and dreams die with them. Some trust in horses and some trust in chariots, but we trust. He said, oh, when I, when I get out, oh, of course, huh? You're my guy. Who's your guy? I got you. I tell Pharaoh. What happens? Two years pass. He forgets. 
And I can't imagine how he was feeling. But God was with Joseph. And then, when the time came, we realized that all those closed doors, all those mess-ups, all those disappointments, all those failures, all of that was closing the door to mold and shape and direct him to the position that God wanted him to be for what was praying for him in the future. Everything you are going through is preparation for your final destination. So when the door God opened, it says, now, I will close the door on you being a shepherd because I want you to be a prime minister. I will not give you that job because I have better. I don't want to be an employee. I want to be an employer of people. I remember the story of Jack Ma. Jack Ma is one of the richest men in China. Alibaba, that's him, that guy. And he writes about how he tried to get many jobs and he couldn't get it. He applied to be a teacher. He did not make it. He applied <laughs> to work in KFC. KFC. They, didn't, they said he, they rejected him. He applied to be a policeman. They said no. He applied <laughs> to be a fireman. He said no. He applied to work in a retail online store. They kept rejecting him. They will take everybody else because God says, I will close the door. You are not meant to be an employee. Can you imagine if you got the job selling chicken? You would have been happy. God said, no, no. Sometimes trouble is the catalyst God will use to move you where he wants you to be. He shuts the door and out of frustration, since nobody will hire me, let me... Let me find something to do. So he starts Alibaba. And today, can you imagine if those doors were opened? Somebody, one more time, thank God for the doors he has closed in your life. That relationship that did not pan out, thank him for it. That job that you did not get, thank him for it. Let me go a step further. That visa that they rejected you, so people want to jackpot and he said, God, but that's not my promise. Where God has called you is where your provision is. You might not understand it, but thank God for closed doors because everything that he does is good. Good. So I continue. Look at Joshua 6 verse 2. It says this. God says to him, the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its kings and its mighty warriors. I wrote very quickly that king represents authority. Mighty warriors, another version says strong men, represents power. So God was telling him, I have given you Jericho, not just the land, but the authority and the power that comes with it. And I wrote, very interestingly, I said, it's, it's interesting that, think about it. You have the inhabitants of Jericho standing behind a 13-foot wall, 28-feet watchtower, watching people walking around 
Now, everybody knows about military strategy. He always wants the vantage point, right? If I'm up and you are down, because I'm higher than you, right? I have an advantage. But isn't it interesting that for six days, with their advantage, they didn't shoot one arrow? It doesn't make sense. Jericho was known for its military prowess. In those six days, they did not throw one spear. And if all they had to do was just, you are standing on a high place. Choo, choo, pick them off. But the Lord said, I have given them to you, the king and their strong men. To the point that they were in the presence of their enemies. They had no choice but to observe. Listen to me. For somebody here today, I'm going to stop here. We're going to talk about power versus authority next week. We'll continue next week. But listen to me. For somebody here today, God is about to do a thing in your life. But the way he will do it, when he talks about preparing a table in the presence of your enemy, in the very in the very place where you know that there is opposition he is taking you to the very same place and he's placing you amongst those people do not be afraid because he is holding your hand because he would have me say to you he has given over to you their authority and their power it is very possible to be in the midst of enemies and be at peace ask Daniel they threw him into the lion's den and all of a sudden because they had the authority and the power the lions became kittens and the very things where they would throw men into that same den that would be ripped apart for Daniel because God was with him and the authority and power they laid down he had many cushions and he slept with ease the king ran to check the next morning Daniel, oh Daniel, are you still alive? Oh king, I had a great rest. In the midst of chaos, he will give you rest. He is doing a thing that he is transferring to you the power and the authority of your enemies. Because whatever battle it is, you will not have to fight this battle. All you have to do is remember the one who is holding your hand and stand still. For seven days, they were walking around the wall, and yet not once they were immobilized. They were paralyzed. They were observing. For somebody here today, he prepared the table before me will become your reality in the name of Jesus. For somebody here today, when we talk about abundant gifts, one of the gifts that you will receive is where he will cause your enemies. He will come, he will force your enemies to submit to you in the name of Jesus. How they will do it, they will be forced to be in a position because he has seized their power and their authority. Because last I checked, he says, All authority. belongs to me I'm going to stop here today a quick recap of what has been said live life enough we will build walls 
But let's not forget that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. I remember while I was preparing for this sermon this morning, I felt the need in my spirit to pray for anyone who is dealing with fear. And I heard him say, pray against the spirit of fear. Pray against the spirit of fear. Pray against the spirit of fear. For some people, it's the end of the year. It's the end of the year. It's the end of the year. And your fear is louder than the promise. It's the end of the year. It's coming close. And this is not how I thought my year would go. And there is fear. Really quickly, really quickly, before we do the altar call, if you are somebody that has been battling with fear, I don't know what it is, whether mentally, whether emotionally, whether physically, whatever it is, if you have been battling fear real quick, really quickly, just stand up wherever you may be really quickly, really quickly, stand up wherever you may be really quickly. And for those who are not standing, please begin to pray. For those who are standing, put your hands and put it over your head and begin to speak and say, God has not given me the spirit of fear. God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. My mind is sound. My body is sound. My spirit is sound. God has not given you the spirit of fear because God is with you, because he is your God. He is your light and your salvation. Because he is your light, darkness cannot exist in your life. Because he is your salvation, salvation has come. Who shall you be afraid? He is the strength. He is the fortress of your life. Whom shall you? Nothing shall you be afraid of. He is the righteous God who holds you by your right hand. We come against the spirit of fear in the name of Jesus. Because who the Son says free is free indeed. Right now we command that voice, that thoughts, that feeling of fear to cease in Jesus' name. We command the mind of Christ over you, over your loved one. If you're online, we speak the same prayer for you too. In the name of Jesus, we command fear to go. We command the light of God. To illuminate our minds, to illuminate your bodies, to illuminate your soul, to illuminate your spirits right now in Jesus' name. Amen. This week the Lord bless you. This week the Lord keep you. This week the Lord cause his face to shine upon you. This week the Lord will arrest your enemies. In the name of Jesus, the, God will, the Lord will open doors to you that no man can shut. In the name of Jesus, surely goodness and mercy shall overtake you, shall embarrass you, shall announce you. In the name of Jesus, the favor of God surrounds you like a shield. The glory of the Lord speaks for you. In the name of Jesus, the works of your hands are blessed. In the name of Jesus, everywhere your feet tread upon, it shall give it to you for your possession. In the name of Jesus, we come against any attack of the enemy and we break all the bars of iron and we cast them asunder over your matter in the name of Jesus. Your going in is blessed. Your coming out is blessed. 
Where you wake up is blessed. Where you go to sleep is blessed. In the name of Jesus, the lines are falling for you in pleasant places. In the name of Jesus, blessed shall you be in the city. Blessed shall you be in the field. In the name of Jesus, the ground will yield for you. The heavens open to you. In the name of Jesus, everything you do, everything you say, the Lord will back it up. Your word shall not fall to the ground. In the name of Jesus, you shall be known as the one God has helped. In the name of Jesus, in this month of abundant gifts, we decree that the gifts flow galore. In the name of Jesus, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard. It has not entered into the hearts of man what God shall do in and through you. Whatever you can think, the Lord will do exceedingly. He will do abundantly. He will do far above what you can ask, think, or imagine. In the name of Jesus, you shall lend to nations and never borrow. In the name of Jesus, you shall be head and never tail. You shall be first and never last. You shall be on top and never beneath. In the name of Jesus, we decree the wisdom of the angels, the wisdom of the heavens. Now to you in the name of Jesus, everything you desire, the Lord will bring your way. In the name of Jesus, no weapon formed against you or your household shall prosper. As we round up the end of the year, no evil eye will see you. No accident will take you out. No sickness or calamity will befall you. In the name of Jesus, when they come one way, they will flee seven ways. In the name of Jesus, though a thousand fall at your side and ten thousand by your right hand side, they shall not come near you. In the name of Jesus, only with your eyes will you behold and see the reward of the wicked. In the name of Jesus, this month the wealth of the wicked is being transferred. In the name of Jesus, we call upon resources from the north. We call upon resources from the south. We call upon resources from the east. We call upon resources from the west. In the name of Jesus, from glory to glory, from grace to grace, from strength to strength, so shall it be in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this episode. I pray that you were blessed. And if you enjoyed what you heard, please be sure to subscribe. And if you know a fellow lion that needs to join the tribe, please be sure. Send them this link. Share this episode. God bless you.